0: passing moment well not living in the past which we've now dealt with or forever living in the future and sometimes our future is so illusory it's full of grandiose thinking and this really does concern me in the church generally I must say um You know, lots of people through the ages until now lived well in one village that they never left. Some people, I'm sure, in Africa and India live well with God, with little and not travelling much and not, the way we view things, achieving much or wanting that illusory, grandiose thinking. I think it's the enemy that tempts us with technicolour, dramatic adventurous version of what living life to the full really means. You know, if I say living life to the full to a lot of um, Western people, our view of it is distorted by the enemy. Satan tempts, of course, with Jesus in Matthew 4, 8, where Satan gestures expansively to all the Earth's kingdoms, showing how glorious they are and saying to Jesus, in essence, worship me, and they're yours. Unfortunately, Satan has more success with us than he did with Jesus. We're tempted to listen to the devil's grandiosity. You know, how many of us get hungry for that prophetic word? That will promise us fame and influence. You know, I... um, How often do you hear someone give a prophetic word that says you're going to live well? You're going to go to work and you're going to serve in your church. You're going to clean the um, altar silver and your grandchildren will love you. How many of you hear a prophecy like that? Usually we're going to speak to nations or be a worldwide famous worship leader or whatever. The danger of it is, it deafens us to the lullaby of Jesus, who wants us to love, our, who wants to love us, and he wants us to follow him in our gardens, in our kitchen, in our workplace. So we need to learn to live in the reality of today, not in the fantasy of how life's going to be, or the parallel life where we're always waiting to be someone else or waiting to be somewhere else. But we need to live in today where Christ dwells. Living today means we don't put life on hold until everything is sorted out. You know, when I've done that, then I'll have time for this. We never do. Or, you know, when everything's sorted out, we'll get there. I was always waiting to get there. Didn't know where there was, but I was waiting to get there. You know, it's the somewhere over the rainbow. When I get there. Life's now. Jesus is now. Reality is now. And we need to say yes to this life. The life we're living now. And surrender to the divine love, to be the living sacrifice which means beginning the journey of a long, lifelong transformational process into the image of God, into the person God's called us to be. Every day, God comes to us with his love invitation. Let me love you. Every day, that's what he says to each one of us. That's his lullaby. And as Anthony of the Desert said, Every morning I must say again to myself, today I start. Again, we've got a strange view of achievement and things. I've been on this living in the moment for about 30 years and I had someone probably about 15 years ago come and say to me, what's the Lord saying to you? And I said, he's telling me to live in today. And she said, are you still stuck there? Yep, I am. (laughs) But we have such a strange idea of all of this. Of moving on. What does that mean? Most days I um, lay my hand on my diary and pray that God will order my day. Now, I realise not all of you have diaries because you haven't got the sort of job I've got, but I've got a diary. And I pray that God will order my day that I will let life flow towards me and um, even trust God for the interruptions. Now, that's life-changing for some of us, trusting God for the interruptions. Um, Now, I haven't always been like this. At one time, I was so addicted to list-making that um, if I did something that wasn't on my list, I would write it on my list so I could tick it off. And I know I'm not the only one who's been like that. I found this anonymous quote. This is a woman speaking, and I can't find out who it was. But she said, there was a time in my life when I felt so afraid of and overwhelmed by the very act of living that I actually wanted to make out a timetable for each day of my life for the next five years. I wanted to include all the chores I had to do, when I would do them, even when I could have relaxation, I wanted to get some order into what I felt was overwhelming. I wanted to feel like I was in control. That's what lists do. I've, I mean, it is something I'm not like it now, but it was a deep pattern. When I was at school, I used to, particularly at the beginning of a term, particularly in September, I would draw out a new timetable for homework that correlated with my timetable at school. And I'd put different colours in it um, for different sections when I was going to do different homework. And then I'd have a a colour barcode at the bottom. I spent more time doing my timetables than I ever did any homework, because that's what I was doing, getting, getting everything ready. Because we're fearful of the overwhelming, so we stick ourselves there the minute we feel overwhelmed or anxious we want to get control instead of course we need to trust when things go don't work out as we've planned we need to believe and trust God has something better for us or what we see as the interruption was the purpose of the day you know we can trust God to give us all the direction we need And become all he's called us to be for today and to have everything we need provision wise we cannot carry all of our supplies with us as the burden would be too heavy you know and our yoke is meant to be easy and light and uh, our youth leader was speaking in church the other week and she said can you imagine if the children of Israel had been given all their daily manna at the beginning of the journey and had to carry it around with them? be too much, wouldn't it? But actually, that's what we'd like. If we could have all the money we need now for the rest of our lives in our bank account, we think we'd be all right. Or whatever it is. But we have to trust God for each day's provision. Give him our day as an act of surrender. Release to him our time, our plans. We give everything into his hands. And you know it's more difficult than it appears. I mean, then some of you are thinking, oh, I I can do that, or I do that. And if you do it and you find it easy, I'm not sure you're doing it well. uh, Because it's a struggle. We're forever trying to grab things back. Um, One of the reasons is, that Satan likes to seduce us into a, a false sense of entitlement. Lewis is very good at this in the screw Tape Letters. He says that um, men wrongly believe that time belongs to them. And um, this is the whole idea of um, my time is my own. And he's, you know, Screwtape Letters, there's a, a big demon speaking to a little one and he's saying the best thing you can do is to have him divide up his day into um, that which he has for his family, that which he does for work, and that which he does for his religious duties, then have him believe the rest of the time belongs to him and interrupt it. You know, this whole, I won't read it all too. you, but um, he says that then he, the man will get angry he feels that his time has been stolen from him. And so you must zealously guard, this Lewis, zealously guard the thought in his mind, my time is my own. Let him begin each day believing he owns 24 hours. And let him nurse grievous thoughts whenever anything is stolen from him that he has not allowed for. And it's true, you know. You hear it, don't you? I mean, you have, nowadays, me time—it's a new phrase, isn't it? I've Got to have some me time or downtime. We don't need downtime. We need up time. That's what we need. We need to so trust God that we know He knows what's best for us. And he 'll give him all the me he'll give us all the me time that we want you know we keep ourselves busy sometimes to stop the anxiety sometimes because we think that 's how we ought to be as um, mums wives, good church members um, and along with that technology has caused us to um, you know increase the speed of living i think technology is great used well I mean i think it's wonderful that mark could email from india it's fantastic rather than waiting six months and not even knowing if someone's got there it's wonderful but of course we can become obsessive about it i was in kenya a few years ago and this um well, I thought it was probably a touristy thing, actually. I thought they had a tame leopard around the corner in this hunt and they put the, I am very cynical, put the meat out and this thing came along and it. Everyone except me either took a cine or a photograph of it immediately. And someone said to me, aren't you taking a photograph? And I said, no. And when we sat down to eat with this couple at I they said, um, you haven't got a photograph of it? I said, no, I have, it's in my head. And I said, oh. I said I, I'm convinced, I can call up my photograph, it's in my head, probably more easily than you'll be able to get that photograph you've put on a camera. And um, apparently at a pop concert the other week, and I don't know the name of the, the pop concert, I will find out, but someone was telling me. As this famous man walked on the stage, everyone got their cameras out, of course, and all oh, their phones isn't it nowadays got their phones out and he said to them put those away you're trying to capture the memory of a moment you haven't yet lived now if we want to be set apart we need to have a holy understanding of time In the Greek, there's um, two words for time. One is Chronos, which we get clocks, calendars, agendas, timetables. It's the linear view of time. The other is kairos, which is the awareness of passing time. It's practicing the presence of Jesus. It's daydreaming. It's staring out the window, looking at a flower, looking at a snowflake, lingering over a cup of coffee. We all love Kairos. Our lives are such that we're controlled by Cronus. And Thomas Kelly, who was a, I think he was medieval, um, spiritual leader, said that um, time seemed to control us as if it were the master and we were its slaves. And he taught that we had to order our lives around the biblical understanding of time. And he emphasized the discovery of the eternal present moment, and he called it the holy now. And I would argue if we stop rushing and have time for life, for living, time for friends, have time for what's important, that in itself is countercultural. You know, maybe your kids do not, those of you who are young do not need to belong to every single after-school activity and group. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but maybe they don't need to always. And if if we find ourselves in a supermarket queue, looking to see if the other queue is going faster than us, we're in trouble. We are allowing time to control us. If we're exasperated with the driver in front of us because they've let out two cars out of the side road rather than just one, which we're going to allow for, that would be polite to let one out, but two, or the whole four? And if we have a negative response from that, we're too busy, we're too rushed. We're not necessarily busy in our lifestyle, we're busy in our heads even. Let me pray and we'll have coffee. Father God, I pray that you will come and help us bring every thought captive. I pray that you will come and gather up our wandering thoughts. I pray, Father, that you will come and help us to practice Kairos, both in our lifestyles and in our heads. Thank you that we are here now, and that is enough. And I pray now, Father God, you will descend into our presence, into this moment, so it becomes a holy now. And I pray, Father, as we allow you to come and touch us with that holy now, we touch something of the timelessness of eternity. That place where there is no time. That place where all time is present to you. Help us to live moment by moment in a supernatural way. Thank you, Father. Amen. Now, I realise, looking at Anita, I was meant to say something about the resource table so that all of you don't keep asking of the same question. Um,